Welcome to the Game Plan Podcast with Judah Newby and Brian Perkins, breaking down all things Seahawks. Well, November doesn't get any easier. Seahawks going to be double-digit underdogs on the road in Southern California to take on the Los Angeles Rams. Recording a new game plan podcast here on a Friday morning. He's Brian Perkins. I'm Chu Danubi. Uh, speaking of Southern California, first of all, just a tragedy there earlier this week with the, uh, the shooting in Ventura County. And on top of that, all of Malibu being evacuated this morning in the Ventura County area and south. Um, with uh, wildfires. So a lot of just different stuff going on down there. I only say that because it adds real-life context to the uh, geography and and just what's going on in that area. I had a sister that lived down there for a long time um, that just moved. But, man, a lot's been going on in in Southern California. And, of course, it's in um, just outside of Los Angeles where the Seahawks and Rams will try to revert back to the NFL and play some football coming up Sunday. Seattle coming off a loss last week at home to the LA Chargers brutal loss for Seattle at home losing by eight last play of the game dropped in the back of the end zone by David Moore a chance to extend that game potentially now Brian Perkins they got to go on the road and buckle up and play the best team in the NFC well you know they just lost for the first time all year to the Saints on the road Rams Saints take your pick either of them are really really good but the Rams they're going to be looking to uh, try to get some revenge after last week. Yeah, that's the problem, right? Is if they beat if they beat the Saints, all of a sudden they have a pretty good cushion. Uh, when you're talking about in the NFC in general, especially with the Panthers losing uh, last night to the Steelers, and you know maybe they get complacent and you can you can snipe them at home potentially. But now you have a pissed off Rams team, right? Uh, who you know probably feels like they need to leave their mark, and they they know that they're going to have to if they want home field advantage I mean they're really going to have to take care of business because now they don't have the tiebreaker with the Saints so uh yeah I definitely not ideal for the Seahawks who are 0-2 against Los Angeles based teams so far this season and uh we'll have to see if they can they can uh, get things done but uh you know injuries are going to be a problem for Seattle as well in this game I think they will be yeah you got DJ Fluker who did not practice either Wednesday or Thursday with a Calf injury, you got Chris Carson, who did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. He's got a hip issue. Uh, Bradley McDougal didn't practice a couple of times this week with a knee. And K.J. Wright did not practice Thursday either with a lingering knee as well. Nas Jones, Shamar Stefan on the interior D-line. Nico Thorpe, special teamer extraordinaire also on the injury report as well. But if you start in the run game, you talk about D.J. Fluker, the excellent run game uh, contributions that he's had this year. And, of course, Chris Carson, who's been your best running back by far. Both of those guys did not practice this week. It handicaps you quite a bit. You and I both know that the key to this game will be very similar to what it was in Seattle. They just have to kind of, you know, make a play in the end when push comes to shove, if they can keep it close. And that will be controlling time of possession, being able to run the football with success and put together some long drives in a perfect world, much like the opening drive against the Chargers yeah. uh, to start that game that took eight minutes off the clock. The problem is when you don't have DJ Fluker, the, not only is that position suffer, but I feel like Afedi suffers as well. Um, we've really seen him settle down knowing that he has Fluker on the inside. And, you know, Joey Hunt came and filled in for Fluker uh, 
you know, in time, you know, when he went out in that game last week. And I, I just, that is definitely a concern, uh, I think, Judah, don't you? I mean, moving no forward. No question. Yeah, I, I look at that. I also look at what Bradley McDougal's contributed defensively, and I worry about that potential absence um, and if what Tedrick Thompson can provide in his stead if he's called upon. Because remember, Tedrick in the Rams game got uh, beat a couple of notable times. He also was late to some run plays. Gurley had a huge day. Uh, three touchdowns on the ground in that first matchup. And, you know, Tedrick also had a nice stick late in the game as well. But Rams piled up 468 yards of offense in the first meeting between these teams. They had 17 first downs passing the football. They went three for nine on third down, though. Seattle did a decent job against them on third down uh, in that first matchup. And ultimately, it came down to the end. A time of possession for Seattle. I mean, they barely had the advantage in the Week 5 game. Ground game's going to have to work for them. They're going to have to do stuff on play action, and it's against a Rams defense, Perkins, and we'll get to this more in a moment, but that's shown some vulnerability uh, this entire season, especially last week. So that's uh, news and notes, and quickly on news and notes, though, too. DJ Fluker, after week five, we remember what he said. Didn't say he was very impressed. He thought the hype was a little too much for the Rams defensive line, Aaron Donald and Dominican Sue and company. And look, from a production standpoint, like – Donald on the metrics is doing really, really well, but the Rams defense collectively has been lackluster. That's you know? why they made the move they did for Fowler. Right. And which was a notable move there at the trade deadline, a former third overall pick of the Jaguars pass rusher now with the LA Rams. But now apparently Donald is revisiting that comment by Fluker saying the hype was, uh, was overproduced and, now Todd Gurley's getting in on it, saying Mike Davis better watch out. Donald's going to have a big game. This is rivalry football now, man. Yeah, if, if Fluker can't play, do you think Joey Hunt's just giving him the side eye? Like, yeah, uh, dude, what the hell? Bro? Like, I mean, I, you know what, though? This is what great competitors do. It reminds me a little bit in, if you listen to the mic'd up players in Super Bowl Forty Eight, Richard Sermon makes a tackle on Wes Welker, and then he says, don't you ever talk about me. <laughs> and everyone's like, what the hell is he taught? Like, where, where did that come from? And apparently, like, Welker, the week, you know, the media week leading up, made some benign comments about, like, how, like, he feels like they'll be able to find some soft spots in the secondary. It was like, like, it didn't make headlines. But Richard Sherman heard that comment and was, like, pissed off about it and, like, built it up in his head. Right. A lot of great players do that, right? Like, they're going to revisit something. They're going to find ways to motivate themselves. And to to really look at the person you're facing off with as a true enemy who you're going to have a chip on your shoulder. And when you're the best player in, the, in your position, arguably in the game, you have to find ways to kind of keep that chip on your shoulder. Yeah, it's like competitors' mind control, right? It's yeah. like how do they almost trick themselves into a reality that gets the most out of them? Yeah, yeah. And uh, it's a really cool psychology about uh, a competitor. Um, and they won't take no for an answer. So, yeah, I think Aaron Donald is probably in store for a big day. Per usual. All right, time for the uh, matchup zone on the Game Plan Podcast. We each take a look at three different matchups, break them down, what's going to be important. Um, I'll go ahead and let you start first. I'll give you the honors. Well, you know, it's funny because you brought up uh, Nico Thorpe being held out of practice with a groin injury. and That might have a bigger impact uh, than than maybe we would think, and oh. I'll tell you why. It goes oh, into my first, first matchup zone, which is Seattle's punt coverage against uh, JoJo Natson. 
You know, when, who sounds when like I a baseball that, player from the 1940s. Yeah. Don't do nothing. Don't do nothing. It's far. It is gone. I actually had to Google his name because I thought he was a movie character when you put it on your game notes at first. I was like, Jojo Natson, isn't he like in the longest yard? And uh, no, you're right. He is the punt returner of the Rams. <laughs> he is. And he's, uh, you know, Farrow Cooper was their punt returner earlier this year, but yeah. went down with the injury. And Natson really hasn't looked back since coming in there. He's. Third in the league in punt return return yards per average. He's averaging 15 yards per return. And you're talking about an offense that's already explosive. Uh, you know, Michael Dixon being able to play kind of those head games and and do what he does. We've seen Dixon, who's played tremendously well most of the season. He's had a couple of off games where he's allowed some big returns. The hang time isn't what you're looking for. He's really going to have to be on point and also – you know, your punt returned coverage team is going to have to be able to contain him, which is why the Thorpe injury could end up being a big deal. So something to really keep an eye on. You can't allow a Rams team that's at home that already has so many uh, competitive advantages on offense to start at the 45-yard line, the 50-yard line, the 40-yard line, wherever it may be. My first um, matchup will be Russell Wilson against Marcus Peters. We know Peters is a cornerback that loves to take chances, and he got burned on the – Ultimate game-winning touchdown for the Saints last week to Michael Thomas late in the game. Um, Russell likes to, you know, he well, he threw a pick last week against a corner that knew what route was coming and blitzed it underneath pick six. Ended up arguably losing the game for the Seahawks. He threw the pick six to Amukamura, who knew what route was coming on the outside, too. That's just film study. You know, Peters is aggressive because he does a lot of film study, but that also makes him vulnerable to the big play that we see time and time again. The big play is how you can attack this Rams defense. They will give it up if you have it. Wilson needs to not throw any picks to Marcus Peters and no picks in general, and he needs to be able to hit him on big plays, and I think he can in this game, and it reminds me, I looked up the uh, box score from 2014 when he last faced Marcus Peters. Wilson had two touchdowns and no interceptions in Kansas City. Remember, that was a tough, tough game. 24-20, to Chiefs won that day, but Wilson had a decent day against that Chiefs defense of which uh, Peters was a part. So Wilson against Peters there for me. What's your yeah, second matchup? One. This one's a, a bit of a generality, but you know Seattle in the red zone is going to have to come up with, with seven, not three, in this game. And I think that comes down to a, a couple of different things. First of all, when Seattle gets into field goal range, sometimes they tend to settle, it feels like, in terms of their play calling for the points. They need to be aggressive, especially when they're in the red zone. And they've been very good in the red zone this year. You know, they're fourth in the NFL in touchdown conversion. 72% of the time they get in the red zone, they score a touchdown. Seattle does. So hmm. you're going to have to probably keep up with this team, to be quite frank. If, 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 this, if last matchup between these two teams is any indication, the Rams are likely going to score on most possessions, <laughs> you know, in this game. So Seattle's going to have to be able to match them tit for tat. And I think it's really going to come down to long, sustained drives, and efficiency in the red zone. I'll go Seahawks defense against Todd Gurley. No surprise here. I mean, this is a MVP candidate. Seattle 17th in the league in rush defense right now, conceding 4.8 yards per attempt. Don't like that against an MVP at home. I expect Todd Gurley to have a big day. And as few mix in the injury report, Shamar Stefan is on there, you know, and uh, um, Nas Jones is on there. That just... You know, it's a couple of dings against the depth of your interior D-line. This has to be a team effort against Todd Gurley in this ballgame. He only had 77 yards on, I think, 16 carries in Week 5, but the three touchdowns, and he made a big impact in the receiving game as well. That's the thing. It's, Todd Gurley running the football is one thing, 
but the way they involve him in the passing game is another. I don't think you can stop him. I really don't. I, I, it's about limiting him and maybe not allowing him to take that, you know, screenplay on third and nine to the house. That's going to be key for me in this game. He's going to do his damage. He's at the peak of his career. He's a great NFL player. That's what they do. But can you keep him from controlling the game? Yeah, and, and you saw the Saints last week really shut him down a lot in the first half and, wow. and force him and, and really shut you know, really force them to pass the ball. But then he killed them in the second half in the passing game, right? right. Gurley, we saw that. So I think you're completely right. You have to be so careful with him because Seattle sometimes lets those receive those safety valve running backs a little bit of wiggle room, you know, in terms of coverage because they just play, you know, a lot of zone. And you don't want to give Todd Gurley room to operate because that's when he is so dangerous and can make you miss or plow right through you, quite frankly. So that's a great point. Third and final one for you. Cooper Cup. My little Cooper Cup. <clears throat> Yakima. Represent. Um, look, the guy's coming off the sprained knee, right? Played for the first time last week. Was pretty quiet in the first half and then has the huge play in the second half. It's amazing to think that he is the third uh, – third in, in yards so far this season, but he has six touchdowns wow. so far this year, which is more than Cooks and uh, Woods and Woods combined, who each have three this year. So while they have more yards, he is definitely the go-to guy when, the terms, when it comes to getting in the end zone. So, uh, you know, Griffin and Flowers are really going to have to find a way to contain him. Yeah. Because he is uh, he's just one of those guys that's an explosive play guy. He's not going to get you eight catches for – you know, twenty. You know, twenty-eight, thirty yards. He's going to give you three catches for sixty yards. So you got to be careful. Uh, my last one. I like that, by the way. My last one is going to be uh, Seahawks special teams against Jeff Fossil, special teams coordinator of the Rams, who's, who's been, been there the forever. bane of Seattle's existence. Yeah. I mean, for how long? You can probably count up to ten significant special teams plays against the Seahawks by the Rams. Since Fossil's been there, which has been for forever, um, you know it's good that McVeigh kept him on because he's probably the best special teams coordinator in the league. And you know Johnny Hecker's got a fake punt pass. You know to his credit, I think they didn't they execute a fake punt against the Seahawks as well up in Seattle. Yes, they ultimately punted on the drive, but um, you know that's what they do. So um, Seattle's going to be tested in in that phase of the game, like defensive special teams. Not to mention, you got to play clean special teams and be penalty-free as well. But that always seems to have an impact in this game. And that's our matchup zones. All right, Perkins, it's time for Potent Potables. Game Note <laughs> Theory. Let's sprinkle it in. What do you got for us this week on the Game Note Theory? <laughs> well, a uh, couple player stats to watch for here. Okay. Probably not going to happen in this game, uh, but Baldwin, Doug Baldwin is 11 catches away from passing John Williams. The, not the not, running back, John L. Williams. Yes, not oh. the con, not the conductor <laughs> <laughs> for third place on all time receptions. You said conductor. I think of like train conductor. I'm oh. like, how the hell do you know a train conductor named John? Oh yeah, Williams. John Williams for Amtrak up in Seattle. <laughs> right, all right. Uh, KJ Wright, 13 pack tackles to pass Jacob Green for sixth place on Seattle's all times tackles list with nice. 719. For the injury again. Will he play? Is he going to get 13? Is a lot for his position. Wagner's more the guy that kind of stacks up those types of numbers per game, but you never know. A mm -hmm. couple things to look at head-to-head -head from these two teams this season. First of all, you know, Russell Wilson started his career with a loss against the Rams, obviously. His first game against St. Louis at the time was an L. 
but he won four of his first six against the Rams. Not so good as of late. Five of their last seven, Seattle has lost Jeez. against St. Louis slash Los Angeles. And by the way, this team's only been good for a season and a half. So uh, they, they poached us a few times. And you think of all uh, some of the close wins that Seattle's had as well. They've won 17 to 14 at home. They yeah. won that Monday nighter, like 14 to nine, right? Yeah. Like a few years ago with Golden Tate. I mean, let's see. When you take a look at their wins in the Russell Wilson era, they lost 19 to 13. They won by uh, their next three wins were won by seven points, five points, and then a big one, 27 to nine. Uh, they lose by two. They win by a couple of touchdowns. They lose in overtime 34-31 in that barn burner that no one saw coming that was pretty high scoring. Yeah. Uh, you know, then they lose by a touchdown. They've been pretty close for the most part uh, in this series. So something to keep an eye on, though, is uh, they've not been good as of late. And a lot of that has to do with special teams <laughs> that you brought up Always. Uh, earlier. But a couple things this season. Obviously, the Rams offensively have been very potent. Over 4,000 yards of offense through nine games. Now, Seattle's only played eight games this season. Rams have yet to have the bye week. But in those eight games, just 2,700 yards of offense. So it just shows to show you the difference of philosophy, the the lack of explosive plays from Seattle, uh, and the conservative play calling. You know, when they're, when they're deep in their own territory, when you're facing second and long, third and long, Seattle tends to kind of just give up and punt in those scenarios, whereas the Rams tend to be more aggressive. Total defense... You were right. You're talking about the defensive line maybe being not as as intense or as as uh, threatening as we've seen in years past. The 13th in the league in total defense, the Rams. So mediocre. Seattle, 7th. But when it comes to rush defense, Seattle, 21st in the NFL in yards per game. The Rams, 13th. Right. So something to keep an eye on when you want to contain Gurley. Also penalties, a big story so far this year. Seattle, remember, has played one less game. Then the Rams this season, Uh-oh. 62 penalties for 514 yards for Seattle. For the Rams, 45 for 381. It's a big difference. And when you are a team that's trying to run the football with a potentially injured Chris Carson or a Mike Davis or a Penny or whoever, got to limit the penalties, man. Yeah. You just you just have to. That so, is a discrepancy. Uh, big time. You big can't time. spell discrepancy without penalty. <laughs> wow. Discrepentals. Reaching. Also, turnover differential. You know, Seattle's been very good this year. Third in the NFL in total turnovers this season with 16. Do you want to guess who's one and two, by the way? In turnover margin? In uh, Yes, in turnover margin and total turnovers. New England? Nope, not even in the top five. Really? Nope. Oh, they must not take the ball away. Is this going to be one of those ironic categories? It's oh, one of those Cleveland. ones where Cleveland is, is first. Defense, they take it away. 23 total takeaways, plus 11. In differential. <clears throat> I will also say... Number two, you've been to this stadium. You've in seen Indy? the Seahawks play. Chicago? Chicago. Oh, wow. 21 yeah, total Yeah, their turnovers. defense takes it away, too. 14 picks this year for them. Wow. Uh, plus 10 in point difference. Seattle's plus 9. Oh. Carolina for the Rams. Yep. Fifth. So we're talking two of the top five teams in turn of turnover, terms of turnover differential. So something hmm. else to keep an eye on. Except, you know, one of the big reasons that Pete Carroll was pointing out last week's game, they didn't turn Phillip Rivers over last week. You know, if they do, you know, that's a different story. If Russell doesn't throw the pick six, I think there's your ball game. Well, and they didn't even really get to Rivers uh, very much in that game. So, I mean, we mentioned they did well on third down, but Rivers ate it up on first and second a lot of the time. Big plays. Yeah. You don't have to do well on third down if you're getting first downs on first and second down. Yeah. Although, you know, they were stingy second half. Shut them out. They were better. The pass rush was still. I'm. I'm looking to see an improvement there in this game because 
look, you got Frank Clark in a contract year. You have a, a host. You know, Deion Jordan's been banged up a lot of the year. I get it. Mm-hmm. You've lost. You've had a lot of attrition. But man, it's been disappointing. Yeah, the defensive line has not been good enough. Uh, we already sprinkled in some of those uh, other games along the way, so those will be our remember wins this week. Um, Seahawks and Rams, unless yeah. you have one that's on your mind that you just want to get out. No, not uh, there's not a lot of pleasant memories no, with the Rams. Not, not really. Like even if you want to harken back to the Matt Hasselbeck era, like well, oh that, playoff uh, loss, great. It's, <laughs> it's one of the worst <laughs> memories I have. Yeah, um, I want yeah, to think you, of Bobby Ingram in positive terms. I will say that from 2005 to 2009, they did not lose to the Rams until October 3rd, 2010. Seattle won. I don't know how many straight that is, but it's a lot. That's that's right. So. All right, Suck let's, it. Go, let's go beat L.A. again. <laughs> All right, prediction on this game? Yeah, it's an L. Yeah, it's an uh, I'm about, gonna... Let's pick against the spread. Okay, uh, what is the spread as it stands right now? Ten. Ten. I think Seattle covers. Really? I'm, I I'm is, nervous. This is one of those games to me, though, where, like, Seattle plays a lot better than expected. You know, like, people are kind of counting them out now after an eh, up-and-down performance, you could say, against the Chargers. It's and... down to nine and a half. I think Seattle, uh, give me, give me, I think Seattle covers. Okay. I think it's a seven point game. Let's go with, I'm going to say 34 to 27. Oh, wow. Wow. Hold I on. I think it's going to be high scoring. I think I said it's going to be 34 27 as well in my KXL picks. So for, uh, I think Jordan Kent said 31 17. <laughs> I have Rams over the Seahawks 34-27, so we'll both pick that. We'll see who's right. Which would then set up, obviously, the final two weeks of this month, make or breaking. You got Thursday Night Football after that, so we got to smash in a couple of pod nasties. Yeah, but the final two weeks are are going to make or break, I mean, whether or not they make the playoffs. Yep. If they lose this game. All right. All right, he's Brian Perkins. I'm Chuda Newby. That's the Game Plan Podcast. Seahawks down in L.A. Shouts to the Steelers. Shouts. Keeping Seattle alive. That was actually nice. Yeah, we'll take that. We'll take that. Not a bad game for Carolina to lose. They've won a lot. Road of- AFC games for an NFC team are the most benign losses you can have. Exactly. For sure. Especially on Thursday night. Yes. Yeah. I think Carolina will be fine. All right, we'll talk about it all again Monday. This is the Game Plan Podcast, 1029thegame.com.